have up uh, on the platform here a our heart monitor. Um, I hope no one needs it because I don't know how to use it. Um, I've done a little bit of research on this, though. I've always wondered what all those different numbers and lines are that go across when you're in the emergency room, and you may have been there, and or in a hospital, and someone else that you care about may have been there. And I discovered that uh, it monitors your EKG, monitors your um, heart rate, your blood pressure on three different levels, that your pulmonary artery pressure, don't ask me what that is, the oxygen in your blood, and uh, also your respiration, all monitored on that. And just in case you need, there's actually the paddles here to be able to restart your heart if it needs to happen. I want to talk to you about another heart monitor, though, and that's your words. According to the Bible, your words are a monitor. They, they display your heart, whether your uh, heart is speaking pride or speaking humility. It really is true. Your heart is like a monitor. It's displaying something, something that you can't otherwise know. Sometimes people go to an emergency room or they go to a hospital and they didn't know the condition of their heart. And then they, they plug you in and they find out the condition of your heart. In the same way, we don't know the condition of our own heart. Jesus spoke these words. Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That when you talk, you are displaying the condition of your heart. And the challenge with this is we don't know the condition of our own heart. The prophet Jeremiah spoke these words in Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know what that's saying? That's saying I can't know the condition of my own heart until I get some kind of a display on it, some kind of a readout on it. In the next verse, Jeremiah says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the conscience to give every man according to his ways and the fruits of his doing. Maybe you haven't recognized this, but you don't know the condition of your own heart apart from God. Apart from God exposing it, you don't know the condition of your own heart. In Acts chapter 1, when the early church is gathering together after the death and resurrection of Jesus, and they're having this prayer meeting, and they're deciding, we need to, we need to vote on somebody to replace Judas among the apostles. And they pray this prayer, and in the prayer, they actually use a name for God that's only used in Acts one twenty four. They call God the heart-knower. God, you know the heart. In the Greek text, it's one word. You are the heart-knower. You see, God knows your heart, but you don't know your own heart. But your words reveal the condition of your heart. Your words expose, puts on display whether you have a heart filled with pride or a heart that's filled with humility. And this morning, we're going to look at how do we get that readout, what kind of indicators come across the screen to show us from our words what is the condition of our heart. We're going to look at three different things. First of all, boasting versus pride. Boasting versus pride. Second Samuel chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogant 
words come out of your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. So he's saying, don't let arrogant or proud words come out of your mouth. That's boasting. Paul, in that great love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, says, love does not boast. A person is boastful when they are bragging, when they are um, inflating their own ego like a balloon. When it, it is conceited communication. It is embezzling God's glory when we boast. It's satanic because Satan himself said, I will, and boasted. Boasting may be acceptable in our culture, but it is not acceptable to God. And when someone sings their own praises, they always get the tune too high. Orville Wright, pioneer aviator, was a very quiet man, didn't speak much and didn't speak in public, and had a friend of his that was trying to convince him to go to a, a scientific exposition and to speak there. And he refused repeatedly, and he finally said this. He said, I'm not a parrot. The parrot is the best talker and the worst flyer in all the bird kingdom. He said, I'm not a parrot. I'm not, I'm not going to boast. I'm more interested in flying than I am in boasting. Listen to these words from Psalm uh, 94, verse 3 and 4. Oh, Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked exalt? They pour out their arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. Boasting prideful words. Inflating your ego by, by claiming your athletic ability, your education ability, your finances, what you own, even your spiritual gifts, whatever it is you boast in. I want to remind you that whoever you are and whatever you have is by the grace of God. All of your abilities and everything that you have comes from him. So why in the world will we brag about anything? We have nothing to boast in. That's why Paul in Ephesians 2, 9 says, after talking about the grace of God and salvation, that no one may boast. It's going to be all for his glory. Do you know what? If you could get to heaven and be a boaster, you'd be out of sync with everyone else singing, worthy is the lamb. It just doesn't fit with the glory of God in heaven. There's an ancient Indonesian fable talks about a, a turtle that wanted to fly. And the turtle talked two geese into helping him with his plan. So he held a, a stick in his, his, uh, his mouth, and, and the two geese grabbed a hold of the stick and took off and flew in the air. And someone down below is saying, look at those geese, how smart they are. To which the turtle said, it was my idea. Boasting does that. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Rather than boasting, listen to the words of Psalm 34. It's a passage that Bert and I have claimed in our marriage. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever. Rather than boasting in yourself, replace boasting with pride. Re excuse me. Replace boasting with praise, with praising the Lord, boasting in him, exalting in him, honoring him, 
boasting in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Magnify, exalt the Lord, bless the Lord, praise the Lord, the psalmist said. Praise God. Don't let your boasting be about yourself. Another proverb says this, let another man praise you and not your own lips. Let someone else declare, not you. You see, pride versus humility shows up in the monitor of our words when we're boasting. I I know that that's acceptable in the culture. Athletes, politicians, business people. Want everybody to know what they have done. And, and sadly, sometimes within the church, within the ministry. Friends, I got something to tell you. It's not about you. It never has been. It's all about him. He must increase and we must decrease. Put to death boasting and replace it with praise to him. Let all the glory and honor and praise go to him. Paul talked about all the things he could have boasted in in Philippians chapter 3. Then he said, all of that is just rubbish for Christ. I want to know him. So boasting is a kind of a readout. If you hear your voice boasting and bragging about things, then recognizing that that's a, that's a readout on your heart saying, you got a, a, an issue with pride. Here's a second one. Flattery versus challenging. Flattery versus challenging. What is flattery? Flattery is an insincere compliment to manipulate others. It is wrong in its exaggeration of the truth, but it's also wrong in the motivation for which a person flatters. The flatterer really is not interested in the other person. The flatterer is interested in getting some advantage. It really draws attention to the one who is flattering. Maybe you haven't thought about flattery as what it really is, but listen to this. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Works ruin. You see, flattery is all about how can I manipulate you to meet my need. So here's this little guy in school. He said, eighth grade, and his teacher asked him, Paul, give me a sentence with a direct object. So Paul says, everyone thinks you're the best teacher in the school. A teacher smiles and says, but what is the object? And hopes to get a better grade, he said. Well, he was just manipulating his teacher by paying a compliment that was insincere. That's flattery. That's not the real thing. Listen to this from, from the Word of God. Proverbs 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. The person who's flattering is actually setting a trap. You may not realize if, you, if you're flattering somebody, but you're really going to trap them in the trap of pride. And there's another kind of trap. Uh, often those who flatter you will later slander you. You know that? I actually remember in our first church, we were over to, just, just had arrived on the scene. We were over to the home of a church family. And they began in the conversation to slander my predecessor, the pastor before, 
and then to flatter us. We walked out that night and I said, honey, we cannot trust those people's heart because it won't be long before they will slander us. And that's exactly what happened. Someone who flatters you can later slander you because it's all about manipulation. It's all about how can I power up on this person. It's still driven by pride. That's what causes it to happen. After 20 years, two college friends got back together again. They hadn't seen each other for 20 years, and they'd been kind of rivals in a lot of ways. And the one said to the other, he said, do you remember how I used to be so fat and flabby? Said the first. Well, I've been on this exercise program for years, and now I run marathons. To which the second guy said, that's great. Well, and the first man continued, do you remember how I used to be shy and a poor student? Well, I took a public speaking class, and now I make hundreds of thousands of dollars by speaking. To which the second guy said, that's great. Well, what about you? Well, have you changed at all? He said, well, yes, I have, replied the second man. Remember how brutally honest I used to be when someone said something uninteresting? I would say, I could care less. He said, now I say, that's great. <laughs> Flattery. Flattery. Psalm 112, 1 to 4. Listen to how, how sinful flattery can be. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart. See, it's a heart problem. They speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who will master over us? You see, friend, compliments are like perfume, they're to be smelled, not swallowed. Flattery. Are you a flatterer? Do you exaggerate the truth to another person in an effort to be able to manipulate them, to gain advantage with them? It's wrong, and it's rooted in pride. Instead of that, instead of flattery, we need to be those who challenge one another appropriately. Proverbs 28, 23, whoever rebukes a man afterwards will find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Hear that again. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. You know, a true friend is not somebody who flatters you. A true friend is someone who tells you what's going on in your heart, what they're seeing in your life. I, I'm very grateful for some pastors, professors, friends, family members who didn't flatter me. But they would say to me at times, Jim, do you realize what you did there? Uh, that word you said that was hurtful, my spiritual life is better off because I've had, I've had people who love me enough to confront me in love and with grace. I'm not talking about the person who's just got a critical spirit and a critical tongue. That's not what I'm talking about. John Wesley, founder of Methodism, was speaking on an occasion in a church and he was wearing a bow tie with long ribbons on it. And after the service, after he was done speaking, this lady came up to him and said, Mr. Wesley, I find your ribbons on your ties offensive. 
Mr. John Wesley said, um, is there anybody here that has a pair of scissors? This lady had some scissors. He said, why don't you cut off the ribbons to your liking? And she did. She clipped them right off. And he said, I find your tongue to be offensive. Please stick it out. Why? Critical. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a person who will, will speak the truth and love to you, but will confront you. That's what it's saying here when it says, Whoever rebukes a man afterwards will find more flavor than he, favor than he who flatters with his tongue. And Proverbs 25, 12 says, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover and a listening ear. Don't be so proud that you can't receive confrontation from somebody else. You will not grow spiritually. If you're the person that's always defensive when somebody points something out to you, you're not going to grow. Are you willing for people to speak truth into your life? My friend, your soul is better off for that than to have a flatterer who's simply stroking your ego and inflating an empty balloon that God's going to pop. You're better off to have a, a person who will rebuke you than a person who flatters you. You're better off. There's another one that I want us to think about that's kind of that readout of our words monitoring our heart, and that is over-talking versus restraint. Uh, Proverbs 18.7 says, A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Proverbs 29.20, Do you see a man who's hasty in his words, quick to speak? There's more hope of a fool than him. Voltaire was a, a pagan, ungodly philosopher in France. Uh, he said... The secret of being boring is to say everything. Uh, he should know. The Bible goes on to say in Proverbs ten nineteen, when the words are many, transgression, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Talk is cheap because the supply exceeds the demand. You know, it's interesting to me to watch in marriages, and this may not be true for you, but please, if it is true, no elbows allowed. I've noticed that often over-talkers marry under-talkers. Over-talkers marry under-talkers. And I just want you to know, in my marriage, I'm the over-talker, so I find this very personal. If you're an under-talker, we're not addressing that right now, but that's also a problem. But if you're an over-talker, I want to help you. I want, I want to have you think about this. If you are in a conversation and normally you are speaking more than 50% of the time, you are an over-talker. You're an over-talker. And if that's true, then I want you to think about that. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 said, Whoever restrains his lips has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise, and he who closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Better off to keep your mouth closed and have people think you're intelligent than open your mouth and convince them of the opposite. That's what it's saying in Proverbs. There's times when you speak Light travels faster than sound. That's why some people appear bright until you hear them speak. Over-talker, over-talker. Do you realize that a closed mouth gathers no feet? Why is that such a problem? 
Well, Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. You will never regret the word you didn't say. Let let your mind be engaged with God and his word. Let your spirit be under the Holy Spirit's control. Let your heart be humbled before God so that you stop and think before you say something. Grandma said, sticks and stones will break your bones and words will never hurt you. Grandma said a lot of wise things. That was not one of them. Because words can be like the piercing of a sword, like the acid, like a fire. And over-talking often will make us guilty of sin. The real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing in the right place, but also to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 141 and verse 3 said, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. My friend, if you are an over-talker, I just want you to know that's not simply because you're a better communicator. Matter of fact, over-talkers communicate less because people tune them out. That's how people survive. Some years ago, Bert and I were uh, speaking in a church in Cleveland, and we were guests that afternoon in the home of uh, some, some people, wonderful people, the servants in the church. And we're sitting there after dinner, and I'm reading the Sunday paper. I'm speaking that night. And so I'm uh, just with an earshot, the... Um, the wife was in the kitchen, and she was uh, cleaning up the dishes, and there was a phone call that came, and it was their adult daughter, who was also in the church, but married. And so as, as uh, she's washing the dishes, the husband takes the call, and the entire time that, that uh, he is on the phone, she told him seven times different things to say to the daughter. I counted. And to my amazement, he never told the daughter one of those things. So, so the, the wife was saying, tell her this, remind her of this. Nothing was communicated on the phone. I thought, this guy has figured out how to survive. He's got the tune down button. If you think by over-talking, you're communicating more, you're communicating less. You need to learn to condense. Say it clearly, say it once, say it well. You'll actually communicate better. The other thing is, Sometimes we over-talk because we think what we have to say is more important than the other person. You never learn anything with your mouth open. You learn when you listen, when you ask questions. Again, if you are talking more than 50% of the time in the conversation, you are an over-talker, and that's rooted in pride. Restraint is a good thing. And so on the screen of our lives, is what's showing up pride? Or humility. I'm going to tie this together by having you think through a couple of different things. There in your notes. I want to challenge you to seek God in authentic worship. Because when you do that, you will be convicted and cleansed of pride. The prophet Isaiah enters the temple of God and he sees God high and lifted up and seated on a throne. He, the, the whole temple is filled with smoke. And, and the train of God's glory is just consuming the place. The, the pillars are shaking. And he hears the angels crying to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah's response, interestingly, is to say this. I am a man of unclean lips. 
and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Isn't it interesting that God's mouthpiece, the prophet, says, when I saw God in his holiness and his glory and his majesty and his sovereignty, I got exposed. And it was my readout of my heart, my words that were exposed. Secondly, I want to remind you that that when you humble your heart before God, you will experience more grace. James chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. God says he gives grace to the humble. And he holds the proud afar off and calls us then to humble ourselves before God. God gives more grace. He gives more grace to the humble and he holds the proud afar off. When I was a little boy, my dad used to, to uh, box with us boys or pretend he was. Except dad would put his his hand on the top of our head, and his arm was longer than ours, and he would just say, give me your best shot. And we couldn't reach him. God holds the proud afar off, but gives grace to the humble. If your words are exposing a heart that's proud, I just want to say to you, Be like John the Baptist who said, he must increase and I must decrease. Because then God will pour his grace into your life to meet your needs, to heal your brokenness, to satisfy your deepest longings. God's grace will do that. Finally, pray about your words and what they display about the condition of your heart. Your words are the monitor displaying whether pride or humility is in your heart. Pray about your words. Psalm 19 is a phenomenal psalm that starts off with God uh, revealing himself through creation, through the, the planet and through the stars, and then revealing himself through scripture. And at the end of that psalm where God has been speaking and revealing his, himself to us, the psalmist prays. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my redeemer. It's a good prayer to pray. As God speaks to you, as you read his word, as you gather to worship, as you're in a Bible study and God is speaking through his word, it ought to, one of the things that ought to be a response, God, may the words that I speak demonstrate a humble heart before you. Words in your home demonstrating that. The words among friends demonstrating that, the words when you're on the cell phone, demonstrating that humble heart, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to thy sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. Let's bow together and pray. Our Father, you've exposed some things to us today in your word and especially exposed to us that the condition of our heart is monitored by our words, puts on display whether we're walking before you in humility or pride. God, some of us need to confess a boastful tongue and ask you to change that and give us a heart of praise to you. Some of us need to confess a flattering tongue that we exaggerate and false compliments to manipulate other people. God, help us to be people that speak truth, encouraging words, but also be willing to speak the rebuke when it's needed. Some of us are over-talkers, and we just love to be heard. God, help us to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
grant that our restraint would demonstrate that we really are unselfish and we care about other people and we're willing to listen. So Lord, help us as we don't even know our own hearts, but you do, and as you expose that through our words and we begin to see the pride within us that, God, we would run to you, that we, like Isaiah, would cry out and say, oh, God, I'm a man of unclean lips, dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, that we would humble ourselves before you because we deeply need your grace. that we would prayerfully seek you and say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, may our words demonstrate that we are being transformed before you. And when they don't, that we will confess and we will run to you because though we don't know our hearts, you do. And you love us enough to transform us. In Jesus' name.